Hello, are you the guest of the house? <laughs> I am the guest of the house. <laughs> My name's Andres. Uh, I'm the one that's been talking to all the Southwestern alumni. <laughs> I could do a whole <laughs> sales talk, dude. Gosh, I'm surprised you still got it down. I guess everyone knows the intro for life or the approach. Yeah, you just, I think it gets scarred. I mean, I, Lucas Salazar <laughs> was on the show like, I think, 100 episodes ago. And he had, he sold in 2001 for one summer. And uh oh, my internet's being all weird. Can you hear me still? Yeah. You okay, did. cool. Um, anyway, yeah, he was, he was on and he was like, he like went through the whole approach 20 years later. I'm like, wow. <laughs> that is crazy. I'm not gonna lie. It, do you still, do you still have book mares? Like, do you, do you, do you like still have book nightmares? Did you ever have those? Um, like where I legitimately have nightmares about the book field now in my normal life. Yeah. Have you, have those kicked in yet? Or are you, are you too, too recently removed? I mean, no, but I feel like I get awake mares when <laughs> I like see a trampoline in the backyard and then I just like have the urge to knock on the door and then I'm just like, ah, like, you know, all that normal stuff. So awake mares is pretty solid. Oh, yeah. Do just wait till uh, you're like sitting in a pool this like July on a Tuesday afternoon or whatever going, oh, oh shit. I should be at a door right now. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, I'm like really interested to see what a summer feels like. Like it seems so long. Like I don't even know what it's like to like have the summertime anymore. Yeah. It's weird, dude. All right. So before I let people know who we got here, let me ask you something. Was it a cult? Honestly, um, I'm not even sure the exact definition of a cult, but you're the first person to say that. <laughs> the answer, like, I I get it, why context, but I don't actually know the exact definition. But I, the first thing that comes to my mind is no. I feel like the p. My take is the people that are in it get it and like see it for what it is, and everyone who didn't do it will just never understand what it is. So from their eyes, I can understand how you think like, oh, this is a cult. But like once you're in it, I don't know. I'm sure there's differing opinions, but <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> that's it's my now, take. According to Google, the actual definition of a cult is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed to a figure or object. So I don't know that Southwestern is a religion or is religious. I mean, they there's Christianity involved, I guess, in some aspects of it, but it's not like a religion. So by that definition, probably not. Right now. Yeah, yeah, but, I agree. But the Kool Aid tastes good sometimes. I get it. So <laughs> it is what it is. Um, all right, man. Let me tell people who we got here today. R Logan Ralph is in the house with us, everybody. Uh, he's currently living in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Logan sold for four summers with my brother's team and organization at the Force. Uh, you actually probably have seen my brother more than I've seen my brother in the last few years. So. Um, maybe I'll ask you about him. How's he doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> he went to the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. Go Big Red, my alma mater. Let's go. Originally from Omaha, <laughs> Nebraska. That's right, baby. Uh, Logan's living in Fort Worth, Texas, um, and is currently selling at merchant services to businesses, similar to, I think, Dana Potoff, I think I told you about, that did that a little bit after her summers at Southwestern. Um, and his favorite scroll is number two, I would greet this day with love in my heart, which, I mean, gosh. That, that one just hits you, you know? Yeah. It just, it just, and it's almost like it hits you so good because when you read it, it you're, it's like your second week or, or your first week, depending on how you did it, of the summer. Because at sales school, you're reading the first scroll over and over, right? But mm -hmm. then you get to your second 
week, which is your first sales week officially, and you're that that second scroll. Oh, butter. What a good time. So welcome to the show, my man. Uh, guys, this is brought to you by Enlight Energy. Um, and uh, have you heard of Enlight, by the way, Logan? No. Let me tell, tell me more. All. Let me tell you. So Julio Hernandez, a Colombian, uh, bald, I think he's buzzed like me and buzz head like me. Uh, man who used to be a DSM went over and started a solar company and they're cooking ass. They're in like 30 different states uh, throughout the country. Currently looking for more people who want to continue that door to door grind, but with the price tag more suitable. <laughs> so instead of working 80 hours a week, they obviously are working a lot less, more regular balanced hours for your schedule, but at the same time making anywhere from sometimes as low as 100, 150,000 a year up to as much as you want. Uh, of course, a commission based job, but in solar, as we know, it's a crazy space right now growing faster by the day so it's a very awesome industry to get into if you guys are looking to get into that grind let us know shoot us a message and we'll get you in touch with julio hernandez or alex black who's out in florida kicking ass i think we're gonna have alex black back on the show soon so keep an eye out for that um but anyway that being said my man let's jump in uh with people that just got done selling i usually like to wind the clocks back first and start with how you get into southwestern because it kind of makes more sense chronologically uh, and catch us up here so let's go back how the f-, f did you first hear about southwestern in the first place you had that COVID summer yeah um so i was a freshman in college at the time and it's such a crazy story every time i tell it like if i tell it in detail it, it's kind of crazy but basically I never went to the union at the university that I went to so rarely. I just didn't ever need to. And for whatever reason, I was in the union with some of my buddies. We were getting some Chick-fil-A and we were just sitting down at a table. And, you know, this girl comes up and she's floating. And for those of yeah, for those of you who don't know, floating is, you know, when someone is basically like cold calling on a campus, walking up to people with a survey being like, Hey, are you looking for summer work? Like fill this out and and you can hear about this. So anyways, um, this girl was Lainey Raymakers actually. Oh, so, no way. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny. So she comes well, trot. Like, give context of what that is now. I think it's funnier. Yeah. Yeah. So in context now, this is my, my current girlfriend and, <laughs> obviously at the time was not oh, um so yeah so it's funny we're hanging out right she she comes up and she's like hey guys big old smile on her face if anyone knows laney you know what i'm talking about and um she you know she just starts talking to us and and she seems really cool and she kind of mentioned it was like a sales internship and so that caught my attention i was like oh you know i've always wanted to go into sales that sounds really cool like i'll fill this thing out and it's funny i tell this story as it was told to me, because I like barely even remember this happening. And a few weeks later, I get a random call and, you know, I, I answer it. And, no, funny enough, I get a random call. I don't answer it. And I get another call because we were always trained to double tap or call someone twice. So, right. you know, they're really supposed to be calling you. Right. So I answer and, you know, she's giving me the pitch over the phone like, hey, like, this internship, the average student makes about $9,000 their first summer. So obviously that hooked me. I'm pretty sure that's what hooks everyone. And, you know, went to an went info session and on, but the rest was history after that. So what part of the year was this? Was this more to the spring or you in the fall? Uh, this would have been the spring. I want to say I got selected in like February. Oh, so, so 
we're coming up on that time now this time of the year she must have been yeah. leaving grs all motivated going i'm gonna go float some people yeah no oh my gosh so more context to the story i forget we used to work with this other girl Shayna short who worked in the force and she it was full-time recruiting at the time laney had only done one summer and it was funny laney actually had a pretty big team she had like five or six of her friends that were already on her team as a b contract and she was like whatever just chilling and Shayna apparently needed someone to go and get names for her so she told Lainey that she'd pay her, you know, a, a some amount of money Whoa. for every name that she could get. <laughs> so that's the only reason that she floated. And so she remembered meeting me and that I was like excited about sales and stuff. So she said, screw it. You know what? I'm not even going to give these names to Shana. I'm just going to call them instead. And so that <laughs> that's kind of like crazy too, looking back on it. Cause like, that's how that all ended up working out. It was just like on some funny destiny, but otherwise it would have been Shana that floated you and you could have been dating Shana. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> Shana's great though. Very fierce person. She's, yeah, no, she's, she's awesome. She's great. Yeah. yeah. She's great. But anyway, so Okay, hold on. I have a question. So you go to the info session and you get hooked. Was it really the money that attracted you after the info session or was it something else? I like asking this because sometimes things change, you know, as, as you go through the recruiting journey. Yeah, for sure. The money definitely attracted me over the phone just to get me to the info. But once I was there, I definitely, I guess, could see the value in doing something really hard to set yourself, uh, I mean, apart from your peers there just seemed like a lot of positives, but I'd say that was the main thing is, you know, I've always been optimistic about my future and I've always liked to think that, you know, I was going to do bigger and better things than, you know, the average person. And so when I heard that, I, I don't know, I guess I just had a mature mindset about it and it just kind of hit me like, dang, if you do what everyone does, you're going to get what everyone gets. And it's like, you know, I just kind of took pride in doing something that was going to suck and be super hard just because it was going to set me up and, that's, that's right. kind of what I remember. Yeah. That's a cool mentality for a young person to have it. I always am impressed by the, because I mean, we all were that way, right? All of us that sold had to have some sort of vision, at least in some way, or we understood the vision that someone was trying to tell us of like, Hey, you're going to be, if you do this, you're going to definitely stand aside, you know, stand apart. Like you said, um, from the rest of the people, your resume is going to look a lot different and your experience as a whole, as a human being is going to be a lot different. So come do this. And we all went, yeah, we want that, which is kind of, I don't know what that says about us, but that's a pretty cool thing. Um, what did your parents say? Were they like, yeah, go do this. Or were you, did you have more like the, no, I'm not doing that. I think if you're a parent and you're not some level of, of skeptical after hearing your kids say this to you, you're just a bad parent. So that's my take on the situation. But my parents were like a little skeptical at first. And what ended up helping a lot, they're not like super skeptical people. You know, my dad's in sales and like he just understood like doing something door to door is definitely going to grow your skill set and such. But at first, I think they just wanted me to like, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're getting wrapped into that scam, like, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah. it was funny. My parents actually ended up talking to the Weeble House's parents because basically yeah. like, yeah, Justin was kind of like helping out while I was in the process. And 
I, I think I had mentioned that my parents were maybe like a little skeptical and he's like, Hey dude, well they can call my mom. And like, it was just like under wraps after that. Like my parents talked to his parents and they literally sold books, you know, both of his parents yeah. did in college. So like, obviously they were sold. So I kind of forgot that detail of the story, but yeah, so yeah. that, that obviously kind of smoothed everything out and then they're super supportive. So yeah, man. That's so cool. By the way, there's going to be probably a lot of memories that are going to start coming back to you throughout this. I found that to be to the experience. So I'm excited to see what else you start picking up. Yeah. Right, so, so you get selected, your parents are in, you, you get your training, you get to sales school. What did you think of sales school? I always like asking about firsts. People know this on the show, but I'll hear from you. I had a very unorthodox sales school because remember my first summer was COVID. So it was really, yeah. yeah. So how, yeah, it was different. So basically the start of our summer, we rented out Airbnbs in Kansas city and we had a whole like two week period where it was like a virtual sales school. And we were basically selling to our like family and friends over zoom before, <laughs> before we even went to a real sales school. And that was absolutely horrible. Like I, I remember almost that if that was the summer, I would have definitely quit. So wow. Dude. Very interesting like start to the summer for anyone who sold books is like way different. I mean, one in a one in 150, you know, like or, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, literally. Not very right. common that that happens that you yeah. sell during a worldwide pandemic. So wait. You guys went to Kansas City. Did you did you do okay though? Did you I heard the first years that year did well? The bees kind of struggled because they were not used to, or actually any managers really kind of struggled because they didn't know this was like so foreign to them. But how did you do? So it from what I hear from people, it's so 50-50. You either absolutely hated it or you loved it. I absolutely hated it. I sold an explore and learn to my mom. <laughs> like it was like that, like that sort of thing, you know. So like didn't sell anything. Um, I also wasn't super prepared. I was selected in February, but I guess it wasn't harped on me enough to learn my sales talk, like actually. So I'm like, I remember I'm driving down to KC, like steering with my knee, like reading my sales talk, yeah. like doing the most, trying to get ready. So, anyways, I guess to answer your question, it was so rough because every time we were supposed to be like working, I would go like hide in a room and like be reading my sales talk. Cause I just was, I didn't even really know the sales cycle. So I was like, how am I supposed to hop on these zooms and try to go through these virtual slicks? And I don't even know what I'm talking about. So yeah, it was rough. But on the other hand, like I know Lainey loved it. She was on her second summer. So she already understood how the job work. And she's like dropping packages to all of her mom's friends. And like, yeah, like there was people, I think we had a first year that like, yeah, so it was a first year on Laney's team who ended up I like I want to say he almost hit like PC or something in in virtual and then he like quit like the first or second week of like real knocking. How? No idea. Like so just crazy, super like one way or the other for people. I absolutely hated it. It just <laughs> did not. So when you got to see, wow, man, that's such a different. No wonder when I said the second week, you were like, "Wait, that that wasn't the same second week for me. Yeah, with, yeah. with more or with Augmentino. So wait, well, you get to sales school though. Was Dan Moore still doing like the speeches and stuff? Did you guys still do the regular? Yeah. Sales? So so everything was was real. Basically, it was like a 
it was a virtual sales school. Like oh, it was almost like a mini sales school. It was kind of like an intro and they tried to do as much as they could. But then we had the whole like virtual period. And then we went to Nashville, um, you know, had the real sales school. It was like a whole five day thing. And then went out to the field after that. And I actually lit, I lived with your brother when I was in, or sorry, I didn't live with him, but when we did the virtual in KC, he was staying in a house with Asia, but he like, he was in my like house. So like I would see him every day and yeah. like, yeah, I was with him and Paul Tyndall and Nick Weebelhouse. So it was like super fun. Like, you know, cool cats starting off. Yeah. Those have all been my roommates at one point. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those, are, those guys are, those guys are fun. Paul's yeah. funny, dude. I love Paul. I'm like cerebral palsy. I love Paul. Man. Paul's such an awesome dude. I, anyone who knows Paul like loves him. He's just like one of those dudes that like you know what I mean. You just got love for him. He's just a just like good sense of humor. Yeah. You gotta love it. He's um, yeah, he's awesome. So you get to the Brookfield and your first door. Do you remember your first door? Your actual first door? I do actually. I do. Tell, My, tell me about your first door. It is so funny. It is so funny how your first everything somehow is like a story. Like yeah, I, I knock on the door, like, and you know what I mean? Like they prep you in sales school that it's not always going to be a mom or a dad, but you're, you're just like, so in your head about like what you're going to say and what you're going to do. You're just like expecting it to be a parent. This dude like answers the door, just such like a bachelor type of guy. You know what I mean? Like I can tell homie hasn't had the girlfriend in years and he's, he's sitting there and he's like holding like three little cats. Like they were just born sort of thing. He goes, Hey dude. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like pitching him, like stumbling over my words, probably having no idea what house? I'm saying. Yeah. And he's just like, no man, like it's just me here, but do you want a cat? <laughs> i'm like um like no like i'm i'm working for the day like so yeah it was just kind of funny this random dude's like trying to give me a a little baby cat on my my first door so i was like all right we're here the door-to-door -door game <laughs> dude that's hilarious a cat you got a cat yeah. all right now now i gotta ask about this i'm gonna ask about your first customer next and then we're going into some rapid fire questions to get more of those juices going and then we'll talk about the summers but tell me First of all, you should have taken the cat on, on a side note. That would have been yeah. hilarious. Just come home with the cat, like bigger and better game. What is Yeah. Looking back, I would have definitely done that if I was not my first day and didn't think that that was like going to be a problem. But yeah, you got a cat. Been funny. Um, okay. So do you remember your first customer? I do. It's such a funny story. It's actually hilarious. So it's my first day, right? I'm, I'm just doing the stuff and on my very first day, I like run into like the biggest Southwestern pony ever. Like not ever. That's a, that's another story. But um, this lady, she's just great. Like you, like the type of lady that answers the door and opens her mouth, and you're like, oh yeah, like you're this buying. is the yeah yeah yeah. Like, like just, no, I just got to decide in the package. <laughs> literally, yeah, just one of those people. And so she's like, oh, like just showing me all this love. And I walk in and I find out that she literally has every Southwestern product ever, like all the kids books, all the black books, everything. And so I'm kind of like, well, I don't know what to do. And then I, I remember I'm like, oh, I'm like, wait, so how old are your kids now? She's like, yeah, we've got everything. We love your company. Like I just have one daughter left and she's like going into her senior year. Perfect. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, have you heard of our like our 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 uh, college entrance advantage, like our you know SAT C prep, CEA, like, right? The yeah, CEA, yeah. 
So, anywho, mind you, this is my first day. Like, I just got down my advantage sales talk. Like, I barely know what I'm doing. And so she's like, Oh, yeah, like, tell me, tell me about this CEA. And I'm like, Honestly, I don't know anything about it. This is like my first day. How about I just come back in a few hours and I'll get some info on that? <laughs> and so, and so I like go about my day or like she tells me to come back or something. And, and I'm like, okay, you know, rule number one, like don't do that. <laughs> so anyways, Close. I, yeah, I remember I like come back like a little bit later in the day and I'm just sitting in my car outside of her house for like five minutes and I'm just reading the CEA like sales talk trying to like have a few pointers or try to seem like I have a half of an idea of what I'm talking about and I basically walk in there and I'm like yeah so this is it it's gonna help with the ACT and the SAT and it's just like 500 bucks she's like all right we'll take it done (laughs) and so just like sell a CEA my first customer and then I don't think I sold a CEA the rest of that summer so it was just like (laughs) it was just funny that that like happened how it happened but how amazing it works that's the proof right there that it works what what better way for you to have confidence the rest of the summer going people buy this stuff than a lady on your first day who's your first customer saying we have everything you're selling already and we love it <laughs> literally looking what back like that's crazy oh my gosh i needed that that yeah. probably that probably paved the way for my my whole four years Jeez, <laughs> it's crazy how that moments like that can give you conviction if you're looking for them you know i don't remember who we had on so sorry for I, that i'm remembering whose story this was but somebody told me that they came in and they actually dropped a bag on their first door on their first day no way who was this whatever it'll come back to me but um, it, it just made me go, I mean, can you imagine having a summer after that? Like you're just so convicted because the first person that you met bought, like bought everything. Uh, yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's got to give you a false sense of the job. They're, they're probably sitting there like, I'm going to be a millionaire by the end of this summer. <laughs> like, Oh man, you're spending money in your head on the way to the next door. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, all right. Let's do some rapid fires. And then we'll kind of talk a little bit about through your summers. We'll, we can go chronologically or whatever, whatever makes sense. Um, all right. So first of all, you sold four summers. Where did you go? Where did you sell? I was in Ohio my first summer, Maine my second summer, uh, West Virginia my third summer, and New. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I got I got the best states, and then uh, upstate New York my fourth summer. So we're in upstate. I was south of Buffalo, so it was a little bit more of like the country area, oh, but like there. about, yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you, you sold around there at My some first point. summer I was in, uh, near, uh, Hornell and Wellsville, which was like, an hour I definitely, I, uh, I definitely remember those towns. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. If you can't remember, it's okay. I was just as curious yeah, as it's, like, did you it's sell so, over me? Yeah, it's so bad. My memory's so bad, but. I know I did sell over Danny at a point in time. So I, I definitely was like around where you guys were around for sure. Nice, dude. Dude, that's but, some good territory. Yeah. No, New York was cool. It was cool. What was your favorite state? Maine, for sure. Maine. Is it pretty definitely. or what? Yeah, it was beautiful, but I, I think it's just the culture around there. Like, it's funny because everyone says like East Coast people are like rude or short and, and things like that. But that's true um, to some extent, but 
it, it just seemed like people were chill, relaxed. Like Maine just shuts down early. It's a weird place. Like it gets dark really early. Like it gets pretty dark by like seven, like eight. So businesses just close like really early. Like, I don't know. It just is, seems yeah. like a this own land where like people, it's like they're on island time. Like everyone just kind of lives this slow life and they're just like, so I don't know. I guess for me, like I would, which is funny because I'm not that chill of a person. I'm pretty like all over, but I just felt like those were the people that I enjoyed the most coming across on the book field. And yeah, they're probably nicer too. <clears throat> Who knows? Like Massachusetts, like Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, yeah, I hear about those. It's a little bit different. So I can't really fully speak on the whole East coast thing. Cause I know it's a little bit different than Massachusetts, but and and honestly i might be biased too because i feel like you're always biased to your summer that you sold the most you know so i, I kind of had an interesting track record we can talk about it but yeah, that was actually my my highest selling summer was my my second summer when i was in maine so so you had like a camel's hump you had like a boop, boop, yeah go. yeah it's exactly like that super weird experience and i'm now like six months off the field and still scratching my head and still don't know why things happen how they happen so it's crazy yeah dude my my first summer is my best summer and then second i got worse as it went actually i think my last one was about the same as my third one but it was definitely a solid decline but my first was your best yeah i sold for like 4200 my first summer and that was the best i ever did that's crazy that's crazy that that was your best like that's just wild to think about i know right and i don't know what it was i don't know if i didn't learn like it's not my episode, so we can dissect that some other time. But I don't know what it was either. I mean, not, that's not true. I know exactly what it was my third summer. I was way off schedule. Like, I went to the movies almost every day, bro. It was awesome. I mean, that's not true. But for the joke, it, I mean, I might as well have. But um, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was just an interesting, w- weird thing. So your second summer was your best summer. Yeah. And then uh, w- did you drop off significantly or did you, or were you just like kind of plateaued or what, what did it I, in, in terms of like the average person, I always did well. So, I mean, I'll just throw the numbers out there. Like, yeah, that's fine. I, we don't care about units, although yeah. they determine exactly who you are. But anyway, go on. <laughs> it just gives you an idea. But I basically just decreased a thousand units like each summer. So, my, oh. my second summer, I hit like 5,600. And then my, third summer 4600 and then this last summer was like 36 like it literally was almost like exactly wow. I, I i gave myself a eight thousand dollar uh opposite of a pay cut every every summer <laughs> that's what i did it was uh it was awesome dude hey that's all right though we don't we don't judge about that here i mean it just happens that way sometimes so your favorite state was maine what was your favorite kind of turf that you sold in and by kind of like you know, big break suburbia, uh, country, low income country, high income country, blah blah. You know, what was yeah, your- I definitely never liked high income. Every single summer, it's like you've been on the field, but it's like you always get in your head that like, oh, these people have money, or like, oh, I just want to work high income. Then you get a taste of it, and you're like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot this is what this is like. Um, so for <laughs> me, I would say I liked, I liked like middle class populated country so like country but not your deep country where you're so in the sticks but it's like it's definitely country but you know there's still like kind of a lot of houses and i don't like for my own attitude i realized like selling 
I guess the reason I didn't mind high income, even though I would get like shat on by people, like I just liked visually being in a beautiful place. Like there's nothing like already hating your life selling books because I always did. And then also you're just like in the crappiest neighborhood meeting crackheads. And you know what I mean? It's just yeah. cherry on top of like, this is just the worst thing ever. Like the yeah. people suck, you know, like, so I would say that was like my favorite. Actually, that's a great way. Nobody's ever really put it that way, but you're absolutely correct. I mean, it just, it's harder. It doesn't mean you can't sell it. doesn't mean you can't sell a lot of books in those places, but it's just, it's a lot more comfortable if, because the job sucks. There's no way around that, yeah. right? Like people are like, no, no, it's no, it sucks. That's why we did it really. Because it, yeah. it's, it was, it's like, it's like doing a lot of push-ups. you know, it, it, it gets hard and then it hurts. It's not fun. It's, it's sometimes it's during the rain that blows. You're selling books in the rain. It's not ideal, you know, but that's okay. That's not a problem. That's not the problem. It's just better when you like it's raining and you can see like a nice little beautiful countryside on in the upstate New York area or Maine. It's just, that's, it's nice. So for sure. Yeah. That's a good point. Well said. Um, did you have a favorite, favorite advanced sales tape? Yeah, for sure. Um, I was a big Matt Atchison guy loved him he's just the goat like i don't know what it was like don't get me wrong i loved the the bill zizzy and, and dave rosen like that was always electric too but something about matt atchison i don't think he knows how many people just like love him that just like don't even know. i i have had the chance to meet him finally like after years but um yeah i don't know i just i always just looked up to him a lot i think it's because he was in force that always helps you know like i he kind of seemed like he wasn't so crazy far away than some yeah. of these dudes selling in like 1980 or you know whenever it was yeah i feel that he's more accessible uh his episode was iconic for us as, a, as in the history of our show it oh was yeah awesome. oh dude he got because because matt was always so positive about southwestern he was like sammy southwestern you know he was like yeah. quintessential he did the job how it was supposed to be done. Like that's the guy very replicable, right? You could send a first year to follow him and it would be like, just do what he did. You're going to do great. But on the episode, he like kind of like what you're, like we were talking about now, he was just more real about it. He was like, you know what? I hated selling books. Like, it was sucked. <laughs> and like to hear from him, I was like, whoa, like, but he was so genuine with it that it wasn't neg. It was just real. And yeah, it worked. Yeah. Uh, just It does suck. <laughs> yeah. 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 But There's he, no way around it. Like you said. But he's real in his advanced sales tape too. It's not like that was a fake. It's just yeah. his perspective has changed and that's fair. But like when he's talking, you can feel the conviction without it being too energized. It's like there's this like confidence through his conviction that comes through when he talks. And not many people have that down sometimes. So I, I get why that would be your favorite. Yeah. Um, favorite HQ? Uh, also main. It, just super unorthodox HQ is awesome. So classic you know get out to your state have nowhere to live and this was my first year being a student leader right because it was my second summer so now i'm kind of in the driver's seat of like all right guys it's all right we're gonna find a spot don't worry i'll i'll find this one <laughs> and so we need we need hqs for all the guys in our in our whole org and none of us can find anything it's just rough like all of us student managers are knocking doors, you know, using the databases, doing the most, trying to find something. And Austin Gerber ends up going to some church service, giving an announcement and meets this lady who owns this like ginormous 
like building. I don't even know what to compare it to. It was kind of like a dormitory. It was like a ginormous log cabin in like the middle of nowhere in Maine. And they would actually hold church services there on Sundays. But there was like three, four floors up that were just filled with bedrooms. Like think of a place if you ever went to camp as a kid and like yeah. you'd go to a camp and there's all these dorms and stuff. Like it was basically like a camp. Like sort of vibes. Yeah, yeah, in a way. And so it was super funny because <laughs> there was like a couple random people. <laughs> there was a couple random people living there. Like there was just like some random old lady that just like rented out one of the rooms and some random like preacher dude who like lived up in the attic like it just was weird like you'd like go to the bathroom and then there'd be like an old lady in there and you're like what the hell like um but anyways so austin basically <laughs> ended up getting this this hookup and so that was going to be his hq but none of us could find hqs so every single dude in our org lived in the same hq which was that that ginormous and it just so happened to be pretty centrally located to where we could make it work um to no way the whole org stayed in this place every guy in the org stayed in the same place yeah i think at peak the most we ever had in there because we had like first years that quit and stuff boo yeah but um dude there was a lot like i had to count the bunk beds in my head because i can like visualize it like one two three four five six seven there was like 10 of us at a point in time in this HQ. <laughs> so that's pretty like unorthodox. So that was just like electric because Bro, execs must have been crazy. Or just- yeah, yeah. It's like so it was kind of weird what we did. Like, yeah, I don't know. Basically, three of the kids, like one was a student leader and then his two first years they had to drive pretty far to go to their turf. So they would actually go to a different breakfast spot. And then the oh, rest of us, yeah, and then the rest of us, the rest of us, however many it was, let's say like seven, we would then go to a breakfast spot. So, but it was just wow. funny because it, it's so weird because I got to live with another manager and our AOL because at the time Austin was the AOL or the assistant to the <clears throat> to the org leader. So we basically had all of like the, you know, uh, just leadership in a house and then just all of our first years. Wow, that must have been cool. Come home to be like you're the yeah. last one here. Hell yeah! Versus like you're the first one to come home. You're like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> so positive. Actually, funny. Like this just hit me. <clears throat> like reflecting on my summers, I don't think I realized how much your HQ. I I mean, I did realize it, but your HQ really is everything. Yeah. It's crazy how much success happens from your HQ, and I don't think it was a mystery that like most of us in that HQ crushed it. So. Mind you, my first year that year, I only brought out one kid. It was Logan Merritt, who went on to be the number one first year that year and basically sold 6,000 units. <laughs> and nice. so it's like, I'm not surprised looking back because we just had so much like positive energy. And honestly, shout out to Austin Gerber because he was just like an incredible leader, shut negativity down so fast if we had anything to say. And I just feel like that was so crucial to my summer, just, you know actually like so tunnel vision like you know what i mean holler i mean yeah now that you mention it my my first two summers had great hqs you know 3800 4200 units and then the 
other two summers they weren't ideal like we didn't even have any set up my third summer until like week five we had to like i was jumping between hqs every three days that were all customers of mine <laughs> so now that you think about it now you're saying that you know what the hq value to your success is high like it's it is important agreed favorite breakfast spot I'll tell you my least favorite. We went to this place called. We went to this place. It was in West Virginia, of we course. Should have least favorite yeah. questions to go with this. Yeah, no, I just feel like this is like more entertaining. So I'll tell West, you my least favorite. West Virginia, where did it? Where was it? Was it was in West Virginia, and it was called Tudors, and you might be familiar. A lot of people know it. It was kind of like a big thing in that area, but. It's called Tudors, and oh my gosh, it was just so negative. Like we would walk in, and it was the same people working there every single day. And this super old lady like ran the desk and just like smoked, you know, bunch of cigarettes. And every day we'd walk in there, and she'd be like, "What do you guys want?" You know, like we went there every day, and she and they never once like acted like they knew who we were. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't that positive. Like, oh hey, like you know, you like create a relationship with these people that you're going to their restaurant every single morning. Every time they'd be like, "What do you want?" I'm like, "Honey, I want the same thing that I've ordered the last four weeks." Like, like come, like give me a break. Change for your whole summer. Yeah. What town so, is this? What? Oh man, so there are so many tutors. Yeah, there's so many. Dude, oh, I just pulled gosh. up. I just pulled up tutors. There's like, there's like, twenty. Yeah, like Holy I said, cow. in that area, it was definitely pop. So it's funny because I would talk to other people in my org, and they were like, "Yeah, we go to tutors. We love it. It's so positive. Like people pay for our breakfast and like this, this, that." I'm like, "Gosh, you guys got to come see our tutors. It's awful. <laughs> like I already want to like be done with the day, and it's six thirty in the morning." <laughs> Dude, the best was when you. The best was when you got the breakfast people to do execs with you so, yeah gosh I, I think that only happened to us one time that's great, that's great. yeah not a tutors Those, not a tutors no no not there they did not want anything to do with that <laughs> what was uh what was your favorite follow day whether you followed someone or they followed you oh <sighs> that's a good question <laughs> Oh man, I had such an interesting, I feel like every time I followed someone, they always would just like have an awful day. One of those <laughs> things. So I must've just been an awful person to like go and follow you. Like I didn't feel like I was talking your ear off or anything, but you know, common denominator. I watched a lot of people that did well at this job and they never did well. Um, I will say I, this is just the first thing that comes to mind. I did follow a top producer. His name's uh, Josh Hamilton. He's still selling. I believe he works with Eagle Blitz, but He's an absolute stud. That was the first time I ever did like a crazy follow day where I drove like all the way out to Indiana to follow him. And I was in. Um, wow. Hopefully not. Yeah, no, 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 that it wasn't that far, but I, I think that was the summer I was in West Virginia. Wow. So um, that was like, you know, that was kind of fun to like, I stayed with their HQ for a night and, yeah. Anyways, he was a stud, and I watched him drop the bag, and I'd just like never seen that been done really. So, really? yeah, cool. yeah. So, and I and like he was the type of dude that would like basically drop bags almost every day. Like he was just like that. So, that, I just I enjoyed like being around him, and he's a really good guy, and you know, gave me some did, good perspective. Did you ever drop the bag? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a I got a good story. A couple times I got a is little that, bit better over the years, but this isn't one of your ponytails, right? Or is that gonna be a ponytail? No, no, not exactly. Um okay. it was just I, I alluded to it earlier when I said she was the biggest pony ever, and then I said, No, actually, no, there's probably one other one. Um very it reminded me when you were talking about someone knocking on their first door and having this pony. This was my second day of my second summer or my third summer. So this was in West Virginia, actually. And um, it's funny because West Virginia is known as being like very poor. A lot of people yeah. live in trailers. Like that's just the vibe of like the whole state. But everyone that we've had that sold in West Virginia that's been on this podcast, they loved West Virginia. Like, yeah. It's, said it was just a unique place in the world. There's nowhere like it. I shot a bunch of guns. They got you'll, haulers. You'll yeah, haulers. <laughs> you'll never see so many stray dogs in your life. There might be more stray dogs than people in West Virginia. It's absurd. <laughs> Anywho, this was my second day of my third summer. So my first year was following me because he worked his first day. And uh, he's following me and it's the first door I knock on. So this is the first time he's seen anyone even do this job. <laughs> and no. same exact scenario, like I was explaining before, like she opened her mouth and I was like, oh, game over. She and, and her name was Michelle. And I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but I think Michelle, every Michelle is like just such an awesome mom, they such an awesome woman. They're just like, they're just homies. Like Michelle's are just cool people. I don't Michelle's know what it is. Michelle's will give you water. They'll give you, they'll fix you a sandwich while you're doing the clothes. Like, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But so back to this girl, Um, I'll, I'll make it quick, but right. we It was one of those things where she opened the door and she's like, Hey, what are you guys doing? And I'm like approaching her and she's like, well, let's sit down. You know what I mean? Like she makes you sit down. <laughs> like she gets to sit down for you sort of thing. <laughs> So we're sitting on her porch and, um, dude, so I, I'm like giving her the rundown. I think she, she has a sixth grader and a second grader. So I'm like showing her the advantage books and I, I'm, I'm like, I can't remember if I try to close on a package or if I let her see my slick and pick a package. But anyways, it was one of those classic stories where she starts flicking around on the slick and she goes, Ooh, tell me about this points to the kids books. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. Those are our kids books. She's like, yeah, well, let's throw those in there. And she goes, Ooh. And like, what are these down here? Oh yeah. yeah those are our Bible books. Like that's our FBL. She goes, Oh, throw that on there too. Anyways, like this lady, like legitimately gets the whole bag from the, the CEA all the way down. Like, and she's, her oldest Damn. kid is a sixth grader. She threw right? a cookbook in there? Yeah. Yeah. The whole works. I had to throw the cookbook in there. So anyways, so she, she does that. Oh, nice. That brings back good memories. Ugh, the good old cookbook. I bring it hey. up every time someone says it. Hey, and guess what, Miss Jones? Instead of it being a dollar per recipe, which would make this thing like five thousand bucks, it's going for just forty bucks. <laughs> That's how you did it. <laughs> yeah, that used to just make me laugh. I go, yeah. So there's five thousand recipes. Instead of it being a dollar so per good. recipe, instead of it being five thousand, it's only forty bucks. <laughs> so good, dude. Yeah, but it's that is they need to make you. You should make the sales talk for the cookbook, bro. Yeah, that used to always make me laugh. Or I would just say. What? It's 104 ways to cook a chicken and just give them a big smile. And they always like that one too. So, bro, did you have uh, any other funny, th funny clothes like that? Cause that's so good. <laughs> I, I don't personally. That's one thing I regret a little <sighs> bit. I didn't mess around as much as I should have, but oh, oh, backtrack real quick. Funny story. Honestly, my favorite follow now that I'm thinking about it. You're right. The memories are pouring in. Yeah, dude. 
happens. Um, the year, like I said, in Maine, when I I recruited Logan Merritt and he went on to be the number one first year all summer long, he just he was always doing so well that he never really had to follow. So he never actually followed me the entire summer. Like he was like my first year, but he never followed me because I had a rough start to my second summer. So I wasn't producing. So they put in behind like Austin or Laney or, you know, like some other people in our org that were doing well. And then he just started doing so well. He didn't follow the rest of the summer. And so it's like the last week. No, it's like the, it's basically the last day. There's like a day or two left. And I just made the executive call. I didn't even ask anyone. I just said, bro, I'm going to go follow you today. Like, I just like, it's crazy that we never like worked together this whole summer. Like, I just want to see you do your thing. And so I worked with him and, and I don't know if you've met Logan, but he is hilarious. He's like one of the funniest people ever. And, you know, he's also like a, a performer. So like I'm behind him and he's just, you know, messing around more than he usually would. But yeah. he, d- he did this hilarious price build up this, this couple young couple. And they're just for sure, just stoned. Like they're just super high and they're just like kind of listening to him. And he's like, and he can tell they're not going to buy for sure. And so he's like closing on the kids package and he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, I don't know if you guys have been to Barnes and Nobles, but like kids books these days, they're going for like 300 bucks a book. So like, so like most people, most people are guessing a set like this. It could be anywhere from like 20 to like 25,000 bucks. And it's so funny. The people like, they're like not even reacting. They're just like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, but guess what? The whole thing, it's only going for like 400 bucks. And they're like, oh man, that's just that's just way too much out of our our, our budget. <laughs> and like, that just used to crack and they're me like, up. oh no, dude. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so that cracked me up. He did some funny stuff. Have Have you heard of the demolition demo? No, or maybe oh, I, have. I don't know. You, yeah, you might have. This is one of the funniest things I've ever seen someone do. So he would have like a kid sample, you know, that got rained on or that was like a little messed up, and if he needed an attitude boost. He would he would be giving a door demo to someone, right? And he'd be like, he'd be like, yeah. So see here, it's got like colors and pictures. And he'd be like, isn't that cool? And they're like, yeah, like our kids are grown. We wouldn't really need that. He's like, oh, you don't like this page? What? And just rips it out of the book. He's like, yeah. The best part about it is it's actually customizable. Check this out. Do you like this page here? No. <laughs> rips it out, like, yeah, dude. So, oh man, we had we yeah we had some. That's good genius. Yeah, because it gets people's attention. They're like, "Oh yeah, it's so funny." It's they're like, "Honey, stop, stop!" <laughs> then we'd mess around and I'd like smack and be like, "You're fired!" Like, not another book ripped. Like, <laughs> you know, just screwing around. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so good. Did Danny tell you ever tell you about the naked lady when he was following me? Or I think I was following him. I don't know. Tell me more. Dude, tell tell the audience. House. We pull up to this house. Uh, uh, people who listen to this regularly would have heard, but if you haven't heard Danny's episode, I might tell uh, whatever. So I think I'm driving and I pull up to the, to the driveway, but it's one of those where the house sets up a little bit more like the, like the front porch sets up. So like, I got you, you can see the French porch. This lady's sitting in the front porch, but all you can see is her head. So then she gets up and she must've been like 60. She was old and she gets up and she's, butt naked nothing on her nothing not a scarf sagging (laughs) not a robe she's sagging she's just full glory just stands up and she's maybe like 25 feet from us from the car and i'm like "Uh uh-oh he's like what turns around he's looking he's like "Uh oh and she just walks up to the car (laughs) 
Wow. (laughs) We're at the wrong place. So sorry. We're trying to find families. We're selling kids books. We'll get out of here, ma'am. She's like, okay. She just just stands there. You would think she'd be like, oh, no. She's just full blown. I'm here for the world to see, baby. It was grand. It was grand. Oh, man. All right. Favorite off schedule story. We got two more of these after this. Uh, I'm going to be totally honest. I like never got off schedule no in, on the field. Like never, uh, like honestly. You didn't have the full experience. <laughs> I know. I, I guess not. Like, oh, dude, it's, 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 it's brutal. It's a brutal thing to do, but it's, it is, it's a different experience for sure. All right. That's fine. Favorite sales day. Now this could be because you had the biggest day of your life, like of your career, or it could be because it was like a day that sucked, but you still overcame and it still reminded you of like something awesome or whatever. But any, the day in the book for that, you're like, wow, that was my favorite day that, that comes to mind. Um, I'm trying to decide if it was like my highest day in units or my most customers. Cause I feel like it's kind of like exciting, like getting a lot of customers in a day. I think, yeah, I'll probably double down on my customers. Cause I think the most I ever had in a day was 10. And I did it like twice. That's solid. Um, but I, yeah, I was electric. I remember I like, I closed or yeah, I successfully closed eight people in a row. So like I had eight like people back to back to back to back to back to back to back by and like yeah it was just like crazy it was one of those things that it was like nuts like i almost just like was like what is happening right now like it didn't even seem like i was like crazy on fire but i must have just been so like in my bag of just like taking the pressure off and you know just having fun i was one of those people i was always confused how someone could sell a big package and then like take it easy the rest of the day I was one of those people that as soon as I got my first like sale or like good sale, it like lit me up. And then I just started going crazy. Like, so if I like had a big sale, it wasn't like, oh, I had a good day. It was like, okay, let's get started now. And like, let's start, you know, going crazy. So, yeah, I was the same way actually, which is why I was a little more inconsistent. So like my best week, for example, I hit like 700, but the Monday of, I think I sold like or one of the one of my best weeks Monday I I was up like 275 already on Monday but then nothing on Tuesday Wednesday big day Thursday no but if I got off to a good start especially in the morning especially if it's like in that first goal period you get a good custody in the first goal period look out it's about to be a day you know yep. what I'm saying oh yeah for sure there's nothing like it like yeah it's so funny i feel like my biggest packages have always come like early in the day like i told you i'd like drop the bag like on that lady and that was like my first door i knocked on and you know i the other time i've dropped like a few bags but one of the other times was early and i just remember it just like ignited me because in my head it's like all the pressure's off it's like oh i already made a bunch of money today like i just got to go see people and like and then everyone just buys it's just crazy how that works yeah and for people listening if the bag's 120 units you're talking about a thousand dollar profit something like that you know I don't know how much bag is worth now, but 120 ish is what it used to be. At least when I was selling. And so it's like, you just sat down with someone for an hour, maybe 45 minutes and you made a thousand bucks. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> we'll move on. You know, that's sick. Um, all right. And then this, this could be a no, but did you ever meet anybody famous or who, and if so, who was the most famous person that you met? Uh, 
Um, off the top of my head, I don't think I met anyone that was like famous. The closest thing to like some cool story in it, it's not even that crazy cool, but I did stumble across this family that had like, <clears throat> like eight or 10 or 12 kids or something. And they were on like a really big news station or some big show because they basically were this couple and they like adopted all of these kids. Like they all were adopted and they all like came from these like drug homes and stuff. And they just had like a really like happy family, super positive, pretty sure they bought the bag or like close to it. And so it was just cool. Cause I didn't know, like I had the whole experience with them and then I left and then the mom like DM'd me on Facebook and she was like, Hey, thanks again for stopping by. You were great. Like also, if you're interested, check this out. She sent me a link to like the news report and it basically like talked about them and just how they were like great people for adopting them. And yeah, I don't know. So that, that's the hey. thing that comes to mind, but did you ever meet anyone famous or uh, who's met the most famous person that you've talked to and who um, have you met? Uh, I think, to be honest with you, I think like there's been a lot of uh, people who are like, I knocked on Tom Cruise's door or I, you know, Danny was in Liam Neeson's neighborhood once, I think. How um, are people selling in those neighborhoods? That's what I don't get. Like, because <laughs> like he was in Poughkeepsie, New York, and they all have like, like certain like um, certain places in the country have are like big, big break um, mystic Seth Hood sold in mystic. And it's like a super high rich Boston, Massachusetts. They're near or sorry, not. Not Boston, maybe it was Connecticut or Massachusetts, or whatever. Mystic, Massachusetts, I think, and they're rich. And so, like, rich people go and live there. And so, then by that default, or like, uh, Aisha sold in Foxborough. Uh, so, like, you know, Tom Brady was living there when she was selling in wow. for the Patriots and stuff. So, sometimes you get into those cities. But um, I honestly, I don't know if from a worldwide fame standpoint, I think mine's, mine's up there because this person, I met a Formula One champion, world champion. Wow. And Formula One's like worldwide. Yeah. You know, it's like everybody knows. It's not that popular here. Like NASCAR is what it is here, but it's kind of like soccer where everywhere else besides the US, it's pretty popular. But even within the US, there's a lot of people that still like it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I am a huge Formula One fan. And I've told this story before, but I was knocking in the neighborhood and someone was like, did you go to that big house over there? And I was like, no. And they told me that that's where he lived. So I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I had to at least knock. Yeah. I know they don't got kids or get a, you know, and his wife was out smoking a stogie. And, really? Uh, yeah. His wife is banging a cigar? It's, a, it's like this courtyard. He's like this bigger lady and it's like a courtyard um, like that you drive your car up to. You know what I'm saying? Well, like it's like a roundabout for the house for the driveway. And so you get there and she's like out front, just fat stogie. And then he came out, came out, comes out. I'm like, "Car, are you?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Is this? Yeah." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, I'm selling books. I don't know if this is really what you're like. Probably not." And I'm like, "Nice to meet you." And I turn around, and left, <laughs> or something. Like, I remember what I said, uh, but it was the same. It was like a short interaction like that, but I was just like, "This is crazy." <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, dude, that was fun. I don't know if anybody's ever really met anybody super famous. Although um, Dana Potoff, again, she comes up in this episode. Uh, I think she's the one that sold to the Octomom. Like, or like Johnny Kate plus eight. You ever heard of them? They're like, these parents kind of like the family you met, but they had eight kids. And I don't know if she had two sets of quads or she just had eight kids. I can't, I don't know why she's famous, but she was, they had a TV show, a reality TV show about oh, wow. them trying to raise all this, all these kids. Um. So yeah, that's probably another famous person, but interesting, yeah. dude. Summers are weird like that. Um, yeah. 
dude. So, okay. Now let me ask you this. So, uh, going into your fourth summer, uh, and, and we've gotten, we've gotten a good amount of stories here. So but I wanted to ask what, and take some time to talk a little bit about what you're up to now and, and kind of like chat a little bit more about your perspective on this experience as a whole. Now you're looking back on it. You're done selling books. I guess the first question I have is why not last year and why not next year? Like, why did you set it, decide this is the year that you were done? Yeah. Um, it is so crazy from the get go. I never knocked on my first door and I remember saying, yeah, I'll probably do this for four years all the way through college. It just makes sense the way it's presented to me. I just feel like it makes sense. And then it was always a goal of mine. I always wanted the full experience, which some people will argue. I never got the full experience. Most people will. I never full-timed. I really didn't want to do that. It just seemed horrible to me. Um, but I always really, I always really wanted to run an org. I just wanted that experience to see what that was like, like solely run an org. Um, and so that I got to do that my fourth summer and, you know, I, I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish and I never loved the job and I never, it's not that I didn't like agree with the mission by any means. I think what Southwestern does is great, but my like synopsis on the program is like you stay there forever because you're like extremely sold on the mission and and that's very respectable and i think that's really awesome for me personally like in my heart like that just wasn't my my purpose i suppose yeah. so that's like why i left i got to run the org and then you know and also having another down year after a down year i was like okay it's it's time to to move yeah. on, you and that's know? a healthy choice to make, but I think you're right. I mean, I think some people, the people that say that long, they're selling the mission, whereas you're consuming. You were just a consumer. You were just a customer of what they were selling, which is, hey, if you do this, you're going to have a crazy experience. You're going to stand out and you're going to get sharpened up beyond anything else you could probably do while you're in college. And yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So. Ch checks out. Did you, did you, um, did you have a hard time telling like Danny or like, I guess, I don't know. I don't actually, you've never really asked anybody who left especially someone who left my brother's org like was it hard or, or was he like expecting it or what was it like it was super easy that was one thing that i was always proud of and something ryan groom is um is like danny's yeah, ds what oh, yeah, yeah however you want to put that Upline. and that, yeah the one thing he, he you know when i left he actually told me he really respected me because i never once said i was going to do something that i didn't do Anyone who knows me, I feel like my my motto is just like keeping it pretty real and and I'm very transparent with people and I'm always saying how it is. So I definitely entertained the thought of being a DSL at a point in my career, but I, I think Danny definitely knew that that was going to be my last summer, especially based off of how my production went. He just kind of knew it was probably like um, the end of the the rope for me. But yeah, no took it like super, like I said, everyone like saw it coming. I never was one of those people that was like, I'm going to full time and I'm going to be a DSL. And you know what I mean? So I think everyone understood that I was there to do what I was there to do. And that was my time to leave. So like very positive and good. And I feel good about it and, you know, good relations with everyone. So that's good. Not everyone left that way. Yeah, I know for sure. <laughs> And yeah, and, and it can be tricky. Everyone's situation's a lot different and, and, and such. But for me, like I said, I was always everyone knew what was going on with me. I wasn't like painting some picture that that wasn't there. So hey, if you if you're a man of your word and you stick to your word, you know, that's that's all you can ask for. So good yeah. job. So how did you decide that this is what you wanted to do? 
like what you what you do now. I guess tell me about like the 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 decision process of ending up where you're at. Tell us what what you're up to. Yeah, so when I wrapped up my last summer, I knew I was moving to Fort Worth, Texas. I always just wanted to move somewhere. And it it just kind of worked out because Lainey has always wanted to move here. And so, you know, we were dating and of course I wanted to be around her and I wanted to be somewhere warm. So that just kind of gave me direction of like, oh, we're going to Texas, I guess. Um, So moved here, chilled for like a couple months, you know, just got an apartment, like was able to hang out for a few months. And, you know, I was exploring options on my own, but I also was utilizing thinking ahead, the, you know, company to help kids that do Southwestern find a job and they were actually able to hook me up with an opportunity. So it was cool. Um, basically this company, it's called Redstone Payment Solutions. And, you know, through the grapevine, they ended up hearing about Southwestern. And so they actually pay thinking ahead to like recruit Southwestern kids. And so out of all the options that were presented to me through thinking ahead, that was definitely the only one that was like remote interest to me just because a lot of the other ones were Southwestern companies and I'll always love Southwestern and always have a special place in my heart, but at least like the opportunities that were being proposed were definitely not where I saw myself going. Fair enough. Um, But to put it simply, I mean, basically what the job is that I do now is I go business to business and I'm basically pitching them on, you know, switching the company that they work with to process their cards, right? Every business has to be able to process their debit and credit cards through a processing company. I basically walk in there and try to switch them from who they're with to us and to hopefully save them money and, you know, give them better rates and better service and all of that stuff. And what sold me on it was, you know, I, I like the, I'm still young and I understand that I don't have, you know, all of this figured out and the skills built to do what I want to do sometime later in life. So I like the idea of this similar door to door thing that was going to continue to develop myself. But I also liked um, the lifetime residual aspect of it. Essentially, if you if you, you know, sign up this business and they're processing with you, you forever get residuals from that business as long as they continue to process with you, even if you leave the company. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like most people get into insurance because they want a lifetime residual. And this was another avenue that I saw that you could get lifetime residuals and it wasn't insurance just because most of the insurance I heard was all 100% commission. And I was just super close minded to working another 100% commission job. Just like, yeah, just right off the gates when you new city, more expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Security is good at that point. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Security is one thing, but like literally just for your mental health, that's what I always say. Like, it's just hard on your mental health going out there and working hard all day and knowing that you didn't get paid a dollar and you can have the mindset like, well, I got through the nose and I'm closer to my next. Yes. But it's like, at the end of the day, I can't be doing that. You know what I mean? Like there's something very comforting about knowing that I went out there, did my best, got paid. And then I have the ability to get paid more if I do close deals like that in my head is like the perfect scenario. So, yeah. And and people would argue that, um, by the way, I don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with you. I mean, there's mentalities for everything. And I think everything also has a time and a place, right. And then time and the time and place you're at right now 
it's okay if you're not making five hundred thousand dollars selling, you know, solar insurance, the helicopters. People sell cars, you know, like real estate, right? You could. There's people who are doing that for certain, and there's nothing that sets them apart from you with your experience. But that's not where you're at right now, right? And maybe you won't ever be, and or maybe you will. Who knows? But where you're at in life right now, what you need for you to be able to balance your life and be healthy is a steady job that you can then also still go and kick ass, make give yourself still a raise, right? But the security that you get to have to not have those butterflies, those Monday morning butterflies or Sunday night butterflies that we had in the book field. You know what I'm talking about? That Sunday night, you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) Like, Even though you just hit PC or whatever, right? That's worth something. And that's worth having. And so people might be listening to me go, oh, but a commission. Because I can just hear like, I can just hear other, this camp of Southwestern people going, straight commission's the way to go. You control how much you're paying. It's like, yeah. But that's not always glamorous. There's there's a toll. Yeah. Yeah, I see the value in that, but that is one thing I think people leave Southwestern with kind of like the wrong mentality is like it's so pushed onto you that like, oh, if you're not doing a 100% commission job, you're getting taken advantage of because this, this, that, and the third. And uh, there's truth to that for sure. The way I see it though, and this has, and this isn't like a throw in shade at Southwestern. This is just like, is what it is. It's just like when you're on a 100% commission, they just don't care about you the same level they do when they're making an investment in you and they are paying you. You know what I mean? It's like there is more skin in the game for the company when they're paying you this and they bought you this and they're getting you your business cards and your computer and your phone and these different things. And that's something that like was important to me is like, I just want to feel, and and not that there was never a lack of that at Southwestern, honestly, like I probably, people at Southwestern probably cared about me more than any job I'll ever have again. You know what I mean? Like right. your, your brother and Danny and Aisha are amazing people and did so much for my life and you know, all of that. But that's kind of my take on yeah. post Southwestern hundred percent commission. It's just not the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it showed up for them in different ways because, or or let's just say Ryan Groom to not just, or whatever, or Mark Rauer, whoever's up, like they have a vested interest that you sell books financially. And that's okay. It's business, right? It doesn't mean yeah. that they don't care about you. So in a way they do care. But what you're saying is these people are dishing out thousands of guaranteed dollars to you for your contract. If you're there for a year or two years, whatever long, as long as you're there, right? So you're right. There is some skin in the game. It's, it's more than skin it's like a chunk <laughs> have a, yeah have a whole yeah. arm in the game hopefully yeah. that you do well yeah that's for, fair for sure yeah and and again nothing saying that that i mean you might make a whole career out of this and be here for 40 years and just kick ass and become the president of this company or you might be here for a year and use it as a stepping stone to get to the next thing I and mean, you never know but where you're at right now what you need right now you're at the right place so it's, it sounds like you're you're you, you, you sound excited about what you're doing um, yeah. And it hasn't been all, uh, butterflies and rainbows by any means. And, um, but you know, it, it's, I guess it's really nice being in a job where you understand that you're developing yourself. Cause I cannot imagine being in this, like, let's say the way I get paid is the exact same, but I'm in a job where I feel extremely stagnant and I'm not like getting out of my comfort zone. Like that sounds scary to me where I'm like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, there's more value than just money sometimes, you know? So that's yeah. kind of like the space I'm at is like, I'm understanding even if I'm not 
things aren't going like amazing or whatever. It's like, Hey dude, like you're, you're 23 years old and you got a lot to learn and and you don't have this all down. So, you know, you yeah. need to humble yourself and get back out there and grow your skill set. you know, that sort yeah. of thing. No, I, I understand that for sure. I mean, I'll, I was at selfpublishing.com and worked there. I ended up not meeting quota and I got fired. I'm like, Oh my God, I got fired from a sales job. Well, there's a whole different story. That's a story for business that it's actually, there's some tea. <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> actually i'll tell you the story i don't know if i'm a lot of yeah tell the story tell the story long story short there's a lady who came up and she was a patter we'll just say it this way we'll put it lightly as in like she was patting her stats a little bit when she was working there and so it made us all look bad and because of that there's quotas so imagine working at southwestern and there's a bunch of first years and they're like all right for the first three weeks we're going to base your success not on how you do but based on like how someone else is doing so if the person that's blazing the trail is selling 500 units a week you know the quota moves because even though 100 units would be great you should be selling about 500 because you're it's the same materials it's the same territory essentially and we're paying for leads so therefore you should be in the ballpark of within 150 of her so you're going to be selling 350 minimum but let's say you sold 300 doesn't mean you had a bad week by any means but you didn't quite meet this but she came in and from what i understand or from what i've googled I kind of went on a deep dive because I was a little bitter, a little. I'm, 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 I'm okay at it now, but this is actually 2021, and I was a different person. And I was like, "Why did I get fired? I'm pissed. That I got fired. I'm competitive. I can't believe I got, she beat me." And I looked her up. Yeah, there's a whole situation. That's that's the part that's the story for Bizzler. But long story short, I got fired because I wasn't meeting her quota. But it turns out she was faking her stats. That makes sense. Interesting. Probably, yeah. So, <laughs> so all that said. Or, yeah, because she'd done this before, according to the Google search I had <laughs> in other companies. It was a whole rabbit hole. But Jeez. yeah, dude. But anyway, that's not the point. The point I'm trying to make is even though that happened to me and that was a hard experience getting fired from a sales job after Southwestern, um, the things I learned in that company and what I was able to get out of it from a kind of just like Southwestern, where it was like not about the money, but about like the skills, the connections I made, the friends I made in the company. Amazing amazing like really really cool so even though it didn't end as i wanted and there's parts of it that weren't cool from a standpoint of like that were not in my control or their control really the company's control just shit happens um i still got so much out of it and i think it feels like you're you're learning that now is like these are the things that are hard or that aren't as fun kind of like selling books but when you go back and you look a few years down the line after that experience you're gonna be like eh, it wasn't perfect but that was helpful and it just kind of gets you closer to your next thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome, man. Hell yeah. So, okay. Now, last question, and then we can go into some ponytails and and, and kind of like start talking about some like rah-rah moments of Southwestern. And do, do you think that like uh, if uh, where you're at right now, where you're at right now, would you, is there anything that would make you go back to sell books at all? Like anything, whether I'm asking this because Dustin Hillis had one where he was like, I thought I was done, but then they told me I could sell any, any state I wanted. And I said, Alaska, and they said, okay. So I was like, all right, fine. I'll come back. So is there anything that would happen that you're like, all right, I'm back in the game? Oh, uh, no, I just, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that ship has sailed. I'm not like, I'm not like other people. Like a lot of people genuinely like enjoyed it. I always hated it. I just always saw the value and I don't know. I, I really liked being a part of it. Like it just, 
I don't know. Like the only way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to say. I just, especially after, I think, I think the reason why a lot of people get bitter about Southwestern and have all these things to say after they get out of the program is because you do see things differently when you're not in it anymore because there is there is some degree and I don't even want this to sound like a bad thing but I'm just trying to like get make a point like there is some degree of like brainwash or like you know you're kind of like it's culture you, you buy it into yeah, the culture. yeah 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 you're kind of like groomed to like you know agree with all these things and and they're all true and they all help you be successful in the program that's why I don't have a problem with it but when you get out some people are like oh that was weird or this or that yeah um and that's fair i'm I'm trying to remember the the point i was trying to make there but no, you're just saying that you wouldn't go back because that once you once you're out you kind of realize some things and you're like oh that's why i couldn't go back because you realize those oh things. yes what i was gonna say is i think getting a taste of what other companies offer in terms of like compensation for this and reimbursement for this and such it's just really hard for me to go back to something that's like extremely like on your own Yes. But I also understand that it needs to be like that for the program to be what it is. And so one thing I do want to say on this podcast, actually, is I kind of want to call people out that have done Southwestern that like only talk negative about it because yeah, it, it's just like it's funny. I'll, I'll relate it to this. It's like it's like your parents raise you your whole life and then you turn like 18 and then you can do what you want. And then you're like, Oh, like freak them. I never needed them. And it's like, bro, you wouldn't be who you are without them. You know what I mean? And it's like, I I sometimes like that rubs me the wrong way when people have this and that to say and criticizing this and that. And I'm like, well, guess what? You would probably be half of who you are without that experience. And for you not to have the, I don't know what the word is, but just for you not to have the ability to see how much that did for you, whether or not this was whack and that was whack and, you know, maybe this should be different. You know, I just think some people are super ungrateful. And so wanted to throw that in there because I don't really like that, that whole slander because I'm not the biggest like Sally Southwestern person ever, but I also am not going to sit here and act like it did nothing for me. It did everything for me. (laughs) Like, you know. No, you're on it. You're on it. And and I think what you're finding, you're you're a new alumni. You're a rookie at being an alumni, which is great. But I think what you're finding is the sentiment that most of us are in. After doing this, I, I think Amy told you, this is like 250 episodes now. We're coming up on 250 official record, something like that. I lost, I lost count. Um, And out of the 250, we've had pretty much the variety but most of them i would say 80 percent of us that did this are in the same boat that you're in which is like hey look i understand it wasn't perfect there's a lot of things that could have been done about it that are, could have been different but at the same time i would have maybe taken away from the experience as a whole which is why i'm okay with it not a big deal i got a lot out of it uh, my opportunities right now my abilities my confidence all that stuff i got it got to take it good with the bad right then there's like another group of people that you're talking about which is like it's this girl that made a youtube video about it saying it was a scam and she's like I, and she did well too she did great and she's like it's a total scam there it's a cult blah 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 and it's like wow really really yeah the, the, you would have never had the guts to do a video like this if you hadn't done the thing in the first place yeah literally <laughs> that's that's hilarious so that's uh, a and, funny then, point. and then to be and by the way we've always said this, this I'll, 
I'll make up for it, I promise. On the other hand, there's a whole different group of people, and it's just probably as, as big as the group of people that hate on Southwestern all the time, who only, 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 only love on Southwestern. And at those people, I also go, yo, no, no, no. If you can't have the perspective to understand that some of the things that are going on here need improvement, then you're also not, It's that's not good either, because yeah. you're too biased either way. Majority of us are like, eh, it's good and bad, right? Yeah. Now, all that to be said, because one time, I invited someone on Reddit who was shitting on Southwestern on Reddit, just completely destroying them. And I was like, hey, can you, do you want to come on the podcast? We can keep it anonymous. We don't even have to have like a face, but can you tell it? Can you tell us what your experience was? And they're like, your podcast is a circle jerk. And I was like, what? What are you telling you? Like, uh, people are saying we praise Southwestern too much on here. I'm like, I don't think we praise them. In fact, I don't even think this podcast is particularly about southwestern it comes up like it comes up now but it's really more about the people's experiences it's not my fault if people had a really good experience and they want to tell tell us about it you know what i'm saying if you have a bad experience by all means microphone's open to you too but all that to say we've always been kind of neutral here about it because we believe in the same thing that you're saying which is hey look there's nothing wrong with what you're doing there's just things that could be fixed that you have not chosen to fix because traditions are hard to break and the strength of Southwestern is that it's been around for 160 years. So they figured a lot of things out that work, but the things that don't work are also equally as stuck. And so when you try to make change, it takes a long time to change that company because of the nature of the beast. If you, if it was a startup, startups tend to be more fluid that way because they're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. And they're really quick to drop old bad habits and pick up new ones because they're new. Does that make sense? So yeah. all that to say, I completely agree. Some people, the way I've always said it is some people always uh, have bad taste in the mouth when they leave, but very rarely, rarely, rarely do people feel bad or upset at the person that floated them, that called them, that, you know, came into the survey or that recommended them for the program or who was their like student manager. Not many people are upset about their student manager being the per like, you're never going to be mad at Lainey for what she did for coming up to you and floating you at the, at the union. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And pretty, pretty pumped about it actually. It yeah. Worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. It worked out really well. So, you know, and some people it doesn't work out as well. And some people it works out better, I guess, relatively, right? Whatever that means to them. But what is true is it works out. And you made the choice and nobody made you sell the books. Nobody made you, made you drive to Nashville. Nobody held a gun to your head to go do it. Yeah. Sure. There were a lot of strong suggestions and we can talk about <laughs> the strength of those suggestions. But at the end of the day, you knocked on the doors. You went and sold the books. You came home. Yep. Period. Own it. Exactly. That's okay. Mic drop. Yeah, I agree. I like what you said about like things. That that's my other thing. It's like yes, there things can be different, and there's room for improvement. But I do agree that it takes away from the experience. Like that's what people can't seem to 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 grip is like, oh, well, it should be this way. And it's like, hey, like that, you know, like completely now makes this not as not as hard or you don't get to learn this aspect of it so yeah. you know I, I like that yeah a prime example of that is for this is a great example of that i've always said that the hours are, are too much and people are like oh but 80 hours are part of it I'm like i'm not saying we not get down to 30 hours i'm just saying as a homeowner now with two dogs i don't have kids but if i had kids it probably, i'd probably believe this even more but as a homeowner now if someone knocked on my door on saturday morning at 7.15, I would come to the door and be really upset with you. And I get it. 
Why the hell are people knocking at 7.15 on a Saturday? Well, they got babies. I don't give uh, a damn. This is my day to sleep in. Are you kidding me? It's Saturday. Like, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, hey. But but people are going to buy no matter what. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, no. That's there's funny. A, there's a reason Europeans don't knock until 9, right? So I'm just saying it doesn't mean that you should knock from like 2 to 6 when it's daylight and before it gets dark. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that a first year who's not as confident in the middle of the woods at 7.15 in the morning on a Saturday maybe is not the best way to get them. That's not the deep end that you want to throw them off of. You know what I'm saying? Like, if this is a D manager that's set appointments and has got, like, hardened, you know, got the sales talk down, yeah, for them that makes sense. But don't don't do that with some people. It just have some – Come on, think a little bit. Slow. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I'm with you on like the the start time, stop time. I I was a big that that's one thing I'll say about Southwestern. I always worked really hard. I was always on schedule. I always did what I needed to do. But I was never one of those like above and beyond. I'm gonna knock until 10 p.m. because yeah. more people means more money. I was like, y'all are crazy as hell. Like we work 13 hours a day. If you think I'm working one minute pat and don't get me wrong. Like, yes, I had times I worked a little bit later, yada, yada. But it's like, I always was just like, dog, if I can't get it done in 13 hours, it ain't getting done. And I need to learn how to get it done in 13 hours. Yeah. Like that was my like mindset oh, on it. Like, <laughs> ready to open up some can of worms here that are, some people are not going to like this. So we're going to like this. Open I up. always say the same thing about how many weeks people sell. Like, I'm not saying that 10,000 units isn't impressive, but there's got to be some sort of footnote somewhere on the pay set of this is they sold 10,000 units in 22 weeks. <laughs> You're like, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's still a lot of books and a lot of can be said about your endurance. Do this for 17 weeks of this uh, uh, straight, which is, that's what's impressive about that. Yeah, but if someone insane. can sell 10,000 units in 10 weeks, that's more impressive. That's if you can run a marathon in eight hours, great. You ran a marathon. I've never ran a marathon. Congratulations. But there's people that do it in two hours and that that's crazy. So there's got to be like a little bit, same thing, right? Like you said, if you can't do it in 13 hours, my thought is if you can't do it in 13 weeks, it's not as cool. It's cool. You deserve the sweatshirt or whatever the hell you got for selling 10,000 units. (laughs) But come on, man, he did it in 12 weeks and it was crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, that is one thing that I regretted. And every year I always got wrapped back into it and it wasn't other people. It was me who made the decision, but I always stayed out another week and I, every single time regretted it, always did horrible. Always my head. It it didn't matter. It's just so unfortunate. It didn't matter how much I was mentally prepared. I was like, come on, Logan, you choked last year. You got in your head and you didn't sell anything your last week because you were thinking about home and this and that. Don't do it this time. And I like feel like I'm locked in and I feel like I'm doing everything the same. And my God, I just have the worst weeks ever when I stay out afterwards, like awful, like little to zero production, like just like lose it. And it's a per person thing. (laughs) And before we get somebody listening to going, oh, but the but 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 I sold 17 weeks and I sold 10,000 units and it, it does count. I'm not saying it doesn't count. And you know, and some people are like, oh, I had my best week. My last week, I hit guts club. Okay, great. But you, not everybody's the same. In my opinion, the way it should work is if you want to work earlier and if you want to work later, or if you want to work more weeks, you have to earn that. 
that's my my opinion. So everybody starts at nine. If you want to go work the extra hour, you're not allowed to knock earlier unless you go and sell 300 units or 400 units in a week, because that shows me that you understand the job enough to sell 400 units. You don't accidentally sell 400 units. I mean, maybe you bump into four ponies in a week. That's rare. Most people that are selling 400 units plus in a week, they figured something out. They figured sit downs, they figured out closing, they figured out the intro, something it's working. Right. And so it's like, okay, now you can start selling earlier if you feel like you got the confidence to go do that, but not before. Same thing. You want to sell an extra week? Cool. Earn it. You got to sell 7,000 units before that 12th week or the 13th week. Otherwise, you're going to burn out. By the time you get back to school, your classes won't be set up. You're going to be not moved into your apartment. That first week of school is going to be awful. And your start to the school year is going to be terrible because yeah. <laughs> raise your hand if that's what happened to you. Yeah, <laughs> dude, because they don't prep you for that. Oh, man. How many times did I have to tell Danny? Bro, before we go out for the summer, make sure your living situation is set up. Make sure your roommates are good with a deposit. You don't need to be taking time during the year to try to lock down a lease. Oh, also make sure your classes, you're registered for them. You don't want to be rolling in from checkout, tired of shit, barely sleeping after partying because you partied hard in Nashville, rolling up and it's the second day of the first week of school. You got nothing set up, not even your schools, your books, nothing, right? And you show up, you're not even, you didn't go to your first few classes and then try to be like, you wouldn't do that for the summer. You would never do that for the summer. You would prep for the summer. Why wouldn't you prep for this, which is arguably just as important for your yeah. for your future? You know what I'm saying? No, people never did that. Well, we're getting on a tangent here, but that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave it as kudos to the people that could stay out and do well because oh, yeah. you did you did something that I can't do. But that just personal experience that just never went well for me. So, and that's something I never wanted to do in the first place. But if you do it 17 weeks, I mean that's. Like I said, that's an endurance. That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. Happy, happy. All right. You want to do some ponytails and get the hell out of here? Yeah, that's cool. All right, man. So here's what it is. I'm going to give you, by the way, and these are the ones that just come to your heart right now, the ones that come to your mind. But and people listening who this is the first episode, this is when we ask our guests to come up with the best stories or tell us the best stories that they remember from their time selling books. We've had a variety from good old categorical poop story. So some some fun poop stories, some fun sizzler stories, some fun and then they bought stories and then I met my wife stories. I don't know. Whatever comes to your mind. Uh, but Logan Ralphs, this is your ponytails, brother. <clears throat> um, It's so funny. This just popped into my mind. I, I, I've got two stories. I'll start with like one that looking back on in the moment, I was kind of like, oh, is this something I should do? And I did it. And in in the eyes of southwestern it was wrong but looking back i'm so glad i did just for like the memory sort of thing um but yeah so anyways i guess it was it was nice it was like one day it, it was in maine it was just funny too it was like all the like i said i never really got off schedule but there was my second summer there was a couple little things that i was like on some bs like you know maybe like ending a little bit early nothing ever extreme um but just little stuff and this was one of the times uh, it was like later in the night. It was like 8, 830, right? Like towards the end of the day and knock on this house and this kid answers the door. He seems like he's about my age. So, you know, my initial reaction, I'm like, hey, dude, can you grab your mom? And he's like, oh, like this is like my grandma's house. But like, what's up, dude? And he seemed like really cool. So I was like, oh, um, you know, I'm just doing this. I'm like selling books or whatever. And he's like, oh, like, cool. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm graduated. And so I was like, all right, dude, like, no worries. Like, you know, I was just kind of like dismissing myself getting out of there. And he's like, well, like, no, like, tell me what you're doing. And he's like, he's like, here, come on in. And I'm like, all right. 
So I like walk in there and I find out this kid is like one year out of high school and he's dating this girl who's a senior in high school and they've got like a newborn baby together. It's like a few months old. And so Whoa. they're like, yeah. And they're like living at their grandma's house. They're like one of the two of the the people like their grandma's house or whatever. And it was just them at the house. And it's like a pretty nice house. So I'm just like kicking it with them and and they're like, well, show us what you got. Like, what do you have for the little one? So I'm just kind of like laughing and, you know, I'm like showing them the my books and, you know, I, I like feel bad. I don't even like want to drop the price because I don't actually want them to buy this. I like know they don't have money. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't want you guys <laughs> to buy a hundred and twenty dollar like four books. So whatever. I basically like sold them at like wholesale to them. So I was like, yeah, these are like whatever, 60 bucks or like whatever it was. And they're like, all right, we'll take it. And they were just like really cool, just like really solid people. And and I just like vibed with them and they were just cool. And they were just like, they're like, hey, dude, like, like you want to, you know, like just like hang out or whatever. So I was like, I was like, sure. Like, this is chill. And so we like went upstairs and, um, you know, they like, they like packed a bong and, you know, we all like, we all like ripped. It was like one of those moments where I was sitting there and I was like, uh, like, you know, this probably isn't the best idea. And then I like had one of those thoughts where I was like, bro, you got to live for the memory sometime. Like not everything has to just be like, oh, cause someone said so like sort of thing. So whatever, you know, I, I ripped the bong with these with these kids and, and we're hanging out and we just hang out like the rest of the night to like nine, nine thirty. And, you know, like looking back, like that's like one of the greatest memories I had from the field and just like on some pure, genuine, like good time stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and I just, yeah, that was dope. You found genuine connection, which was yeah. the point. Yeah, yeah. And, ah, man, those are moments worth living. And those are moments we're having for sure. Yeah. <laughs> And they probably so, yeah. do you all the time. Like, remember we like every time they yeah, call that's probably funny. The kid, they're like, dude, remember that kid? from this kid that we ripped the bong with. <laughs> yeah, so that was just funny. I didn't plan on sharing that, but that came to my mind. So I was like, hey, you know, if, um, it was a long time ago. Yeah, so. it was a long time ago. Different person now. Uh, and then a, a funny story I have. This was probably the most like, just like just like absurd thing that it like happens to me it's just very caught me off guard you know when you're like knocking and every once in a while you get those come on in and yeah. you're always just like standing out there and you're like i know they don't know that this is like a door-to-door -door salesperson so i'm just gonna stand here until they like come and open the door yeah. you're you know? talking about people who don't open the door like the screen doors closed but you they can, you can hear in and they can hear out and you're like hey and they're like come in is that what you're talking about? Like, not even that. Like, through the closed door. Like, they're normal, like, <laughs> closed door. Like, you know, those, like, like you hear an old person just go, come in. Like, they're expecting their, like, son or daughter to come over. One of those things. Yeah, yeah yes, yes. So, anyways, I'm in one of those moods. It's, like, noon or, like, 11 a.m. And it's, like, towards the end of the week. And you know how it gets on the field. You're just, like, so confident. Or you get in such this, like, screw it mode because you've dealt with so much rejection and seen so much crap that you don't even care what happens next. Like, I remember they're like, come in. And I was like, you know what? I am going to come in. Like, whatever. <laughs> and I just bust in there. And it's, like, the front door. And then once you, like, turn to the right, you, like, see the whole living room. And I just, the first thing I see is just this full-blown naked man just, like, getting his, like, 
his butt wiped and he's like getting like cleaned up like from oh this nurse and i'm just like bro like what did you just have me walk into are you kidding me Why and so you come into this yeah Who did I'm you like, think was coming to the door that would like to see no idea it's not good so I like walk in, I like see the naked dude, like see the nurse, see like the old lady, like sitting down who told me to come in. I don't even say a word. I just look at them and I just turn around and I just walk out of that house and just <laughs> shake my head. And I'm like, welcome to door to door. Like, these are the things that you just walk into. So I want to tell this on a podcast someday. <laughs> yeah. So that was just one of those like random, just like what in the hell sort of things that happened. Um, let's, go eat, let's go to peanut butter and jelly sandwich now. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> let's go to the movies. <laughs> Not funny. Oh my um, God. You got, you got any memory joggers for me? I, I have, I have such a hard time recalling my experience. Yeah. You have any, uh, it... it could be fun sizzler stories. Um, you could also have like, uh, crazy animal stories like the time you almost got bit by a dog we've heard those blue light awards those are always those can get you know time i got kicked out of a town or cops showed up on you some for some reason oh uh, i've got i've got two stories that that we can we can end on i suppose um one of them is like super short and just like it was just something that i thought was cool i always was jealous of those people that like sold to a cop that pulled them over kind of those like yes. really weird like unorthodox situations where Crazy. i was like uh yeah i'm just like you're a stud for that uh one of the experiences i had that i thought was cool was um you know like you're working during the day and you're a manager and you get like a book delivery so you have to like get off schedule to go and like yeah. get your books and put yeah. them in your storage unit all that stuff so my, my truck driver comes to like drop off my books and, you know, he's just like every other truck driver. They're like, so what's all this stuff? Like, they're just curious. They're like, why is this like 20 year old? I have like tens of thousands of dollars of merchandise. Like what's going on here? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, they're books. Like I, I sell them door to door or whatever. He's like, oh yeah, like that's kind of cool. Like, what do you got for a two-year-old? And I was, was like, oh, like I got these, and like I just nothing crazy, but I ended up selling a my set to the truck driver who dropped off the book. So Let's like, go. it was just dope to like get a sale like while I'm like not working. Like, so yeah, I think I need to add that to the rapid fire story uh, uh, questions of like random store, random random sales. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, not at a door. Those would yeah. be interesting. Those are always did, good. Did you ever hear the story about my first customer? Did Danny ever tell you about this? Uh, maybe. Let's hear it. It was at the hotel on the way to the turf. Did you hear about this? We stayed in. Oh, we were going dang, up to no. New York, so from Nashville, we stayed in Erie, Pennsylvania, on the way to Buffalo, or on the way to South, like that area. And uh, then the next morning, we were doing execs, and one of the people that works at the hotel, that like the part of the cleaning crew or whatever, the maids. I don't know what exactly what they did at the hotel but they were working they were like on a cigarette break in the morning while we were doing execs and they're like what are you guys doing so i came over and I'm like oh yeah we're just this group of college kids and i explained the whole thing and he goes same thing as you he's like do you have anything for math and i'm like yeah so i just went into uh like a sit down and i'm like i gave him by my mind. I'm like, yeah i'll show you but if you don't like him no worries whatever and i went did the demo did the close and he's like okay and he like paid for them <laughs> That was my first customer. Wow. The turf. Yeah. So yeah, well, I think everybody's got like a gas station. You know, uh, yeah, those yeah, are like, good. Those are solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah those are always fun. Um, and then I'll, I'll end off on this. This was a has nothing to do with selling books, but it was a 
it was like one of the trips afterwards. So super funny. So my second summer when I had my best summer and then also recruited Logan Merritt, who ended up being the number one first year, <laughs> it was the funniest thing in the world. So I ended up winning the GRG trip. Um, for those of you that don't know, that's like yeah. one of the most like, I guess like just, yeah, just like a, a trip that's pretty hard to get on and how you get on it is either having like the top five <clears throat> most producing like in school team, meaning you're in college still and you built a team and you know, they went out and did well or the top five full-time team. Right. So you're like, you're a full-time recruiter. And so Logan Merritt was the only person on my team, but he did so well that summer. He sold like 6,000 units that I ended up. Yeah. In yeah. school team. Yeah. So I ended up sneaking in and was the number five highest producing in school team in the whole company because of the one person on my team who just went absolutely crazy. So it was just a funny Hell story because yeah. I ended up winning this bougie trip because my first year like went so crazy and then he wasn't even on the trip, you know? So it's just like this whack thing. Anyways, um, they always go somewhere out of the country. So we actually went to Mexico, which I was kind of bummed out about because I'm like, bro, we can go anywhere in the whole world. And we choose the one place that we go no matter what for Sizzler. I'm like, I'm yep. like, what the heck? Anyways, it ended up being a lot different. We went to San Miguel de Allende, which I'm sure you're, you might be familiar with because Aisha's parents now own a property out yeah. there. Yep. Um, so anyways, yeah, so it's more of like inner city Mexico. Like it's not your on the coast and all the touristy stuff anyways. <clears throat> so it, it was an awesome trip, a lot of fun, but one of the nights we like went out to some restaurant and I'm with my buddy, like Lucas Biscup. He's, he's an awesome dude. He's hilarious. Yeah. DJ at my wedding. Yeah. Um, so anyways, He's there and we're at this restaurant, right? And we're just like getting some tacos and we meet this dude named Ramon. And he's just a talker. He's just chatting us up. Good energy. Funny guy. He's probably like 60. Like he's definitely like a little bit older sort of thing. And so we're just in a good mood and we're messing around. We're like, Ramon, we're going to be at the clubs tonight. Like you coming out with us? Like you got to come rumble with us tonight. And he's like, yeah, man, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. And like all this stuff. And so we're like, you know what, Ramon, you want to just kick it with us like the rest of the time? And he's like, yeah, man, like I'll, I'm out of here anyways. Like I'm about to be done with my shift. So uh, funniest thing, we leave with this dude, Ramon. And we're like, Ramon, let's go get some liquor. Like, let, let's let's go like have some fun. And so he walks us up to like the nearest liquor store and we buy like a big bottle of Hornitos or Hornitas or, you know, yeah. some that tequila. Yeah. And so we get this tequila and we're like, all right, Ramon. So what are we going back to your place now? And he's like, sure, man, sure. So we go oh, to grab a taxi. And the funniest thing about Mexico is just like, there's just no rules and people do as they please. So there's four, I'm with me and Lucas and then like two other of two other people. And we're all in the back of this taxi. So it's already squished. There's four of us in the back of this taxi. And then there's Ramon, like the 60-year-old. And he also has his roommate, like, with him. This other <laughs> random dude who's, like, 60 as well. And he's, like, a lot bigger type of dude. And so Ramon, like, gets in the passenger seat of this taxi. And 
he's trying to like get his roommate like on his lap to also get in the taxi so we're trying to fit six people <laughs> in like this sedan and bro it's just like straight out of the movies it's the funniest thing ever like we're trying to like close the door because there's two big dudes in the passenger side and the door won't close and some dude off the street like sees us and he comes up and he like pushes the door and it clicks in and we're like hey. so we're packed in this taxi and and it goes to drop us off at this guy's house, which we come to find out is literally a room, bro. Like talk about perspective. We we got dropped off and it's kind of like this, this sort of complex. Like we walk through this gate and then there's just like a series of rooms. Like there is not even a bathroom in this room. Like there is like a public it's bathroom. Like a yeah, yeah, if you will. But it's like outside. So it's like think of like a motel. Like once you walk out of the door, you're like outside. Yeah. Sort of thing. And so, dude, like this, these two dudes live in this room. Like it's like smaller than like your bedroom, sort of thing. Like, you know what I mean? It's small. Yeah. They got a TV. No kid. Like, no, I don't even know how they live, bro. They don't have like anything in there. And we end up kicking it in there like in the little room with them for like two hours we finished the whole bottle of tequila no just way. like get drunk with this random dude ramon and his friend and we're just like, hey! just like uh just had like wow. a great time and just crack jokes and just one of those stupid things that we're like what the hell are we doing right now but we're just doing yeah, it because we're just in mexico and just you know Why no not? rules and yeah like just and when wow. you're with lucas like just funny things happen when you're rolling around with him because he speaks like fluent spanish basically so you always get yourself in situations when someone can like navigate your way around in mexico so damn that dude was, uh, that that's was wild like a, off, a fun little story off site off site grg story that's yeah that's what you want damn yeah, dude Bro, well, if you like GRG, you're gonna have to come out to Bizzler. That's what I'm yeah, saying right now. Yeah, we're gonna have to chat about that later. We're staying in we're staying at Bizzler level resorts, which is GRG level. Oh, say so, less. <laughs> yeah. That's and like the nicest place I've ever stayed. And here's the deal. So you know, one of the biggest things this year is we were debating whether going to Mexico because the first Bizzler we went to Mexico and then we went to the DR this year. So next year we were like we wanted to go to Mexico because most people are like, oh, Mexico, that's where we already go for Sizzler. Let's go somewhere else. So I think I believe this is a more official announcement is going to come out, but we're going to an another island in the Caribbean. We'll just leave it with a sizzle of the instead of the steak right there. I'll just get a little little carrot hanging right there. Nice. Um, so, yeah, man. So hopefully I'll catch you in Laney out there. Um, That'd be lit. In I think we're going in September is what we're looking at right now, but I'm not in charge of this anymore. So I will get you more details on that later. But come out. It's going to be a lot of fun yeah hell yeah man dude oh man this is great look at that this has been a full episode how do you feel <laughs> that, was, that was so much fun i've never done anything like this so i think it's like your initial reaction to be a little nervous and not know what to expect but once you're in it it's just just fun i lost track of time yeah i know it goes quick right you're like what the hell yeah. and you look up and it's like holy sh we're yeah for an hour and 40 minutes that's wild that was fun you, you yeah. killed it that was good ah, you did great man i appreciate it hey guys we're gonna wrap this one up here but we'll say goodbye to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Andre Scamboa. This has been the Pointy Toast Podcast. And uh, Logan Ralphs was my guest today. If you want to reach out to Logan, ask him a little bit about what he's up to. Maybe you have a business that needs some uh, credit card payment processing options. And are you on, only selling in Texas? We, we can work with whoever. So there you go. So maybe you're looking at like, hey, you know what? I have a little business. I need to put, I need to do something. Hit my man up. 
Logan Ruffs. You can look him up on Instagram. His handles are right there on the screen, but if, if you need to type it, it's at L-O-G-A-N dot R-E-E-L-F-S. It looks like real F-S is the last name spelling. Um, but then, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it for you for being on. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Ponytails podcast. Bye-bye, everybody.